0: Hey, my name is Phil and this is my wife Meredith and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. Let's get into it. Why don't you tell somebody next to you, for the culture. And then you can tell somebody on the other side of you, Whose culture is that for? We are in the middle of a series that we have entitled For the Culture. For the Culture. We are spending some time talking about the culture of the kingdom of God, talking about the way that God has for us to live, the way that God came to give to us to live. And I know some of you are like, are we still on this? Yeah. We're only about midway through. This is why, because every single day of your life, you are entrenched in a culture of some kind. Every single day, every single hour, you are taking in news content. You are taking in social media content. You are taking in family content from your background that is trying to feed you one way of living. But Jesus came and said, I have a different way for you to live. So, if you've been engulfed in that culture for a long time, we're gonna lean into what is the culture that he came to fill us with? What is the way that he came for us to live? What is the way that he came to set us on a path towards? I wanna read to you Matthew 4 and 17. I'm gonna read it today from the message version. If you've been here, you've heard it before. It says, And he, being Jesus, picked up where John left off and he said, change your life. God's kingdom is here. Change your life. When Jesus started preaching his message, the message that he came to say is there is a way that you have been living, and I have a new way for you to live. I want you to change the way that you have been living. See, the people that he was speaking to, they lived in a culture that taught them some things. They lived in a way that taught them some things about what they valued in life and how they measured success in life. Today, we're going to talk about one of the ways that Jesus came to adjust their thinking and adjust what they were looking at See, the people that he was speaking to lived in a culture that measured their success and measured their value by how much financial gain they could build up. It measured their wealth and their success by how much status they could get or how many accolades they could... It was very different from the culture that I know you encounter every single day that measures itself by bank account dollars and letters after your name. I know that you're unfamiliar with a culture Like that. So let me just tell you that Jesus came to them and he came to speak to them about changing the things that they valued their life by changing from a culture that measured their success by the amount of excess that they had. And he said, no, 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 you live in a space that says, however much I have, there's no way that it's enough. I always need a little bit more. So if it's one more degree in your context or if it's one more tattoo on your skin, whatever you're looking for more and we have a culture that feeds us excess. Whatever I have, they're going to run out of papers for the letters behind my name or I'm going to run out of skin somewhere for them to fill in. But excess seems to feed the culture that we live in. And Jesus came to give them an alternative. He said, that is how everybody else lives. That's not the culture I came to give you. That's not the context I want my people to live in. That's not the things that I want my people to measure their life by. He wants us to look at what his kingdom is. Let's pray, church. God, I thank you that you're here with us. I thank you that you've already moved and spoken to hearts in this place and drawn us closer to you, God. And in this message, I ask you to speak to us, to form us, to change us, to make us more like you. And God, I ask you to help me to speak it clearly. God, I feel this. Help me speak it so that we can move, so that we can change, so we can look more like you. Oh, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, church? So at the beginning of Luke, sorry, in the middle of Luke, Jesus starts speaking to this idea In the culture. He begins to step into this space with them. In Luke 12 and 22 to 23, I want to read a couple of verses. Luke 12 and 22, he says, and then he said to the disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food, and the body more than than clothing. And then jump down a little bit farther in that same chapter, verses 30 and 31. It says, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added unto you. I want to talk to us today about this concept, full barns and empty souls. You can write it down at the top of your paper, full barns and empty souls, because this is what Jesus was coming to say to them. He came to say to them, you're spending so much time worrying about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what you're going to put on your body, but I have a different focus for you. I have a fresh focus for your life. In my culture, I know that the culture that you've been living in says that what you put on you is what makes you. I know that the culture that you live in says what you put on your table is what matters and what makes you status in life, but that is not the culture. What you put on your table and what you put on your body are not the focus of the culture of the kingdom that I came to give you. He said that is what all the world Measures things by. All the world, all of the other. Cultures that you've encountered, every other people group that you've been part of, every other place that you've walked in life, every other place that you've looked in life, has looked at all of these external things, has looked at all of these secondary things, has looked at all of the things that we can see and we can feel and we can touch, and they've sized you up. And maybe they've sized you up rightly, and maybe they've sized you up wrongly. But they've sized you up not by the things that God is sizing you up by. They They've sized you up by the things that the culture is sizing you up by. So whether in your neighborhood, it's the kicks that you wear or the car that you drive or the school that you went to, all of these things are not the things that the culture of the kingdom is measuring the status of our life by. I want us to roll back a few verses and find out how we got here. Because what's happening here is Jesus is explaining to the disciples something that just happened. It was the benefit of the disciples that Jesus would often speak to the crowd. And then when they drew away, he would say, now what I was trying to explain was. If I'll say it in a way that's been said many times, this scripture that we just read starts with a therefore. And if you see a therefore, you have to back up and find out what it's there for. Right? Why is there a therefore in the middle of this scripture? So I want you to back up a little bit in Luke 12 to verse 13 for me. Now in verse 13, something really interesting is getting ready to happen. They are out in a crowd and it starts out and it says someone in the crowd Said to him. So someone in the crowd is getting ready to ask Jesus a question. Jesus gives him a quick response, and then, as is often Jesus' way, he decides to tell a little tale to make his point. And this time he tells a story about a rich man who had so much that his barns that he had were too small to hold all of the grain and the harvest he had, so he tore them down, and he built even bigger barns. Let's find out exactly what happens. It says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, this is a funny start to it to me because there's a few things that I just, I can't even go past this verse without pointing out. This man comes, and his his complaint is not necessarily a negative one. His complaint is not unjustified. In the context of the way that their things worked, his older brother was probably the one who inherited all of the land, and it was the role of an oldest brother to then take the inheritance and divide it out between any younger brothers that he had. So apparently, this man's brother had has not followed through on what is considered. So it's not an unjustified complaint. But the man comes to the teacher, and instead of asking of the teacher, he tells the teacher what he should do. This man comes to Jesus already having decided what Jesus should have to say about the situation. This man comes to Jesus already with a preconceived notion about what needs to be done in his situation. And I just want to say before we go any farther that we are in dangerous ground anytime we come to Jesus looking for him to say what we want him to say about a situation. We are in dangerous territory anytime we come to the teacher to tell him what we want him to do in the midst of a situation. I wonder why this man didn't come to Jesus asking him, what would you do in the situation that I find myself in? What would you have me do with the situation? I hear Jesus' words echoing in the background. If you knew who you were speaking to, You would engage with me differently. And if we don't know who we're speaking, that's what he goes on to say. In verse 14, he says, But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me judge or arbitrator over you? What is Jesus saying? That's not what I do, I'm not the judge. I'm not the jury. That's not what I do. You don't know who you're speaking to. If you come to Jesus telling him how to interact in your situation, we don't know who we're speaking to still. We haven't come to Jesus with an understanding that he's not the the judge on your situation, that he's not just one of many moral teachers. We have come to Jesus looking to pick and choose from the pieces that we like that can give us a happy, pleasant life in the cultural context that we're already in and Jesus said, that's not what I do. I'm not just one of many moral teachers. No, I came to establish a kingdom, and in that kingdom I am king. And if in that kingdom I am king, then in that kingdom where I am king, my word rules and reigns. My way rules and reigns. So don't come to me telling me what I ought to do in the midst of your situation. Come to me asking me, what would you have me do? How would you have us respond? What should we do about this situation? Teacher, teach us how to behave in this situation but every time you come to Jesus telling him what he ought to do you have already put yourself in a dangerous situation and the man tells Jesus and Jesus sets him straight and says that's not what I came to do there are judges that can deal with this for you there are lawyers who can handle your situation I am the king I am the Messiah And then he said to him, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. He tells him to keep guard against it. It's so easy for it to creep up in our life. It's so easy for it to sneak into our life to start looking at what someone else has, to start peering at what someone else has, to start measuring someone else by the external excess that they have and desiring it for ourselves. Jesus says to him, be on guard because I can tell already that you've gotten your focus On the wrong thing, that you've gotten your focus on the property, that you've gotten your focus on the things that shine, that you've gotten your focus on the types of tables that they set, and that's not. What I came to talk about, he is trying to remind him to be on guard against the covetousness that will build on the inside of him, to be on guard against scrolling on your feed and increasing your appetite for what's at everyone else's table and in everyone else's house because you're seeing snapshot. What are you feeding yourself and what is it growing on the inside of you? He says to be on Guard. And then he sets out to tell him a little bedtime story. He says, And the man, and Jesus told him a parable saying that the land of the rich man produced plentifully. The land of the rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store all of my crops. The land of the rich man produced plentifully. The man did not produce plentifully, the land of the rich man produced plentifully. And isn't that exactly how we do? We want to take what something else produced in our life, and then we want to put it on us like it's our badge of honor, like it's our thing that everyone should be should be mesmerized with in our life. We want to carry what the land has produced in our life. Now I know that you've worked hard for everything that you have, and I know that you produced a lot, and I know you stayed up late studying, and I know you dug out that business on your own. But can we not admit that also the land? in our life has allowed us to produce some good things in our life. The land that the man was in produced a plentiful harvest. The environment that you grew up in or the nation that you were born in or the time that you were alive or the way the economy plurged or the way the economy plummeted and created a gap for you. There is something about the environment that the man was in that allowed him to produce plentifully. And he said, and now where will I store all of my crops And then he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grains and all of my goods. This is the critical moment in the story where the man is looking at plenty. The man is carrying plenty plenty. And the man already had barns that he could fill. The man already had barns that had sustained him in other seasons. He already had barns that had been enough before he knew that there was more that he potentially could have. He was satisfied with his barns last fall. But when it came to harvest this season, he wasn't quite as satisfied because he found out there might be more that he could have. And if there was more that he could have, potentially there was some greater that his neighbors would think of him potentially there was something more that he could get from the situation and so he decided to tear down the perfectly good barns that he had he tore down something that had served him just fine He tore down something that wasn't, just so you could simply feel like you were making progress when in fact, there's no progress happening. It's just busy work, redoing something that was already fine, reworking something that all to do. I don't need to work this more. What I need to do is I need to go back and I need to re strategize about this. Let me sit down and let me rewrite it. Let me write out what my week looks like again. And let me write out what the kids week looks like again. And then let me replay and you know what it is it's a false sense of progress it's working on something that's not gonna gain me anything it's working on something that is not gonna solve the problem that I have the problem that this man had was not his harvest the problem that this man had was not whether or not he had enough the problem that this man had was that he had his focus on the wrong thing and so he created a scenario that would give him a false sense of progress and he built larger barns and then he stocked his barns as full as they could possibly get he stocked them all the way full with all of the harvest that he had gathered and he plunged it all back into the barns and then what does it say it says and I will say to my soul I will say to my soul soul you have ample goods laid up for many years relax Eat, drink, and be merry. And he said to his soul, I wonder what kind of conversations you have with yourself. I wonder what kind of things you're saying to your soul. The conversations you're having all by yourself, the conversations you're having all inside speaking to your soul, the conversations you're having with yourself matter because they direct the actions that you will do and they direct the way, I wonder what you say to yourself when no one else can hear you, that I deserve all of this. Or that I'm never going to be able to do the things that I imagine. What are the conversations that you're having with yourself? And even more than wondering about the conversations that you have with yourself, I wonder if the conversations that you have with yourself match the conversations that God is having with you. Do the things that you say to yourself in your quiet hour match the things that God says to you in the group space? Do the things that you say by yourself at home in your room match the things that God is saying over you in the midst of worship? Do the things that you say to your own soul match what he says about you in scripture? I wonder what conversations you're having with yourself, and I wonder what conversations God is trying to speak over you, because the man said to himself, I have had more than enough and I will relax and I will eat and I will drink and I will will be Mary. have you ever played this like conversation game of like if you won the lottery what would you do All Right, it's kind of a fun like if you're with a group of people it's a good dinner conversation although sometimes it gets a little scary and you're like oh that's what you would do okay And sometimes it's really revealing, and inevitably somebody, many of us end up saying something like, if I won the lottery, I would be gone on a beach, and no one would ever see from me again. If I had abundantly excess, what would I do? I would relax, and I would eat, and I would drink, and I would be merry, and I would live of all of my excess until all of my days. And that's the conversation the man was having with himself. The trouble is in the very next verse, it starts almost parallel to what he says. It says, and the man said to himself, but then verse 20 starts, but God said to him. The man said to himself, but then God said to him. And this sentence starts with what you never want to hear, a sentence from God starting to you with, fool. This night, I'm just saying, one of my main, like, top five goals in life is for a sentence from God to me to never start with fool. Fool, this night, your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? All of the excess that you have laid up, all of the excess that you have piled back, all of the abundance, all of the extra, all of the storehouse, all of that extra big double wide barn that you built out back and stocked all the way to Lithium. And whose will that be now? Because your soul has been required of you. And then it says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And is not rich. The man was rich to his neighbors. And the man was rich to himself, but the man was not rich towards God. Oh, he had a fat barn, but his soul was empty. He measured his life by things that his culture told him to measure his life by, and they were not the same things that God had told him to measure his life by. And God said, and what happens to your great big barn now? And what happens to your great, big, abundant harvest now that you have stocked it all up and you have leaned back and you have relaxed in your life? And what will we do with all of this now? What will you do with all of the extra that you have laid up in your life? What will you do with all of those extra bank accounts that you have? stored? what will you do with all of the extra that you have stored up? I know that you've gotten an extra ride and I know that you've gotten an extra degree. And I know that you have more than more than more than enough. And I know that you live in a culture that tells you the goal of your life is to go after more. And if you have one, go get two. And if you have two, go get four. And if you have four, go get four get eight and just add more and more and more, and this is what we applaud. When you live inside the culture of a kingdom, it makes you a little bit slower in the way that you congratulate people. It makes you a little bit slower in what you applaud. It makes you a little bit slower in what you celebrate. It makes you a little bit slower in what you double tap while you're scrolling because you think, is that what God is celebrating right now? Is that what heaven is rejoicing over right now? Is this the context of the thing that the culture of the kingdom is celebrating? Or is this the culture that I live in? Is this what we are celebrating? Oh, you might have impressed others with all of your excess, but it hasn't impressed God. And his soul was required of him. And when his soul was required of him and his barns were full, but his soul was not. And we have to ask ourselves, are our barns more full than our soul's? Have we spent our entire focus looking on earthly things, looking on earthly wealth? What preoccupies your thoughts? What preoccupies your mind? What preoccupies your worries and your anxiousness and your midnight hours? Does the worries of your mind, are they preoccupied with earthly wealth or are they preoccupied with the things of the culture of God, with the way that he has asked you to live, with the way that he has asked you to walk out, with the kind of life that he has asked us how many of us just like this men would show up and look at the face of Jesus and want to pile up in front of him all of our own concerns and all of the things that we want to talk about and tell him how we need him to show up in all of our different spaces and Jesus if you could just make my retirement account double and Jesus if you could just make sure that I have some more personal quiet time because I need to make sure that my self-care regimen is hitting a certain allotment And if you could just make sure that my family, oh, we've even made an idol out of our families because he gave you your family as something to steward, but not to place over him and not to place above the kingdom that he has called us to establish. And we say, well, I can't do that because I have some family obligations. What about your kingdom obligations? What about the obligations of heaven? I know that your job is demanding, but what about the thing that God called you to establish? You are building up things on earth that, heaven has not required of you and how many of us when we get to God is calling us to establish his kingdom purpose and I don't know about you but when I leave here and when I get home to heaven he's not gonna say to me you had some fat barns on earth but there's nothing around here that looks like anything you don't know when I get to heaven I'm gonna say you want to know what that whole quarter over there that whole development that they had to build for all those people over there that's because I put building the kingdom of God in front of building my own thing. That's because occasionally I drained an account to make sure someone else had what they needed. That's because occasionally I went without to make sure someone else had what they needed. It's because occasionally I showed up tired. Because occasionally was happening in my local church. Occasionally, I didn't do all of the things that I wanted, but I showed up and I greeted at a door to make sure someone felt welcome when they came in this place and they threw off the weight of heaviness. And I showed up out back to make sure a whole new generation was being established in the kingdom. And I lifted my hands and I praised and I prayed with my neighbor, even though I lived in a culture that told me that that's not appropriate and that's uncouth and that that's not really what we do around here. said you know what the kingdom that I came to establish is more important than what you think of me and the kingdom that I came to establish is more vital than what the culture has to say to me and the kingdom that's on the inside of me oh it's more important that that same kingdom get on the inside of you than it is how awkward this moment might be so I just leaned into it and I think that there is a church in this city who says we didn't come to We came to populate heaven. We came to make sure that right here in Northwest Ohio, it's tough for you to go to hell and it's tough for you to live in hell, but it's easy for you to experience the kingdom of God. And it's easy for you to experience the kingdom of heaven. Oh! We are here to establish the kingdom that he came to announce. We are not here to make ourselves fat. You can go live on a beach if you want to, but that's not what we're doing here. You can relax and slide through life if you want to. That's not what we're doing here. And for some of us, it's time to remember that. We took some time off, and we got easy, and we got comfortable, and we got entitled, that it's been tough, and it's been rough, and I've had some bad times, so I just need to lean back. Mm-mm. I wonder if the conversations you're having with yourself match the conversations that God is speaking over you. I wonder if the conversations you're having in your home match the conversations that God is having with you. There is a city that needs us to show up. Stop making our own barns fat and make his kingdom fat. Make his kingdom full. Make his kingdom plentiful. And here's the thing it's not that all of those other things don't matter, it's not that you don't get all of those other things. It's that God already knows about it. He already knows you need food to eat. He already knows you need clothes to wear. He already knows you need somewhere to live. And he's going to make sure it's taken care of. I love the way Dr. Miles Monroe used to talk about it. He said, we come to God telling him what he already knows. Coming to him, talking about... If I could just get one more promotion. He's like, I know. I wish you would get out of that and start talking to God about what he's talking about. Start talking to him about establishing his kingdom. John, you can come and start playing. That would be great. Because this is what it goes on to say. We're not going to read the whole rest of the chapter. It's familiar to many of you. He goes on to say, if God cares for even the lilies of the valley, even the sparrows in the air, how much more you? It's the same thing Mark was talking about earlier. If we can trust him with the small things, how much more with the big things? How much more with all that he is trying? He is trying to do more with your life than let you be something great that the world calls great. He wants you to be great in the way that heaven calls you great, by showing up, by establishing his kingdom. And all these things, they'll be added unto you. We keep trying to talk to God about icing and he's trying to talk to us about the cake. We keep trying to talk to him about the color of the paint and he's trying to talk to us about the vehicle that's gonna get us there. Come on, put the icing to the side. We Once we have a cake, there's gonna be icing on it. Once we have a car, they're gonna paint it. Let's talk to God about the thing that he's talking about. What do you require of me what are you asking of me what is he calling us to who's not part of the kingdom of god of the family of the people of god because we're preoccupied with secondary things let's get our focus on him and let's show up in big meaningful ways. I'm going to pray over you and John's going to sing this song. And as he does, I want to invite you to just listen, not to what you say to you, what to God is saying to you. What is he asking you to do right now? For some of you, it's signing up for a team. For some of you, it's that coworker that you need to talk to, that you need to pray with, that you need to invite somewhere. For some of you, it's coming back into service. You know, we haven't talked about it a lot because we want to give people space. Phil didn't know I was going to talk about it today, so y'all pray for him. And everybody needs to make up their own mind. But I'm talking to many of you every week who are hiding. And God is saying to you potentially today, it's time to show back up. It's time to come out, and it's time to come home and whatever he's speaking to you I encourage you to act on it and get your life in line with what God is saying to you today God we thank you for your word we thank you that you have called us into something so much better than the culture that we have been born into that you invited us to change our life And be part of your way of living, God. So I ask you to each person who's listening today to speak to them right where they are. Building us a trust. Building us a confidence. Building us a boldness. And God, light a fire in us for seeing your kingdom come. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.